0: Time flies when you're having fun, So, uh, but we have to start our question period here now because Mike's got to leave right at 1.30 today. He's heading up to Calgary, so um, we can't waste any time. Uh, Before we get started on the question period, uh, let's announce next week's topic, which is uh, Titlers, Taking the Pulse of Southern southwestern Alberta and it's uh, the speaker is Charlene Davidson she's with the uh, (coughs) Community Foundation of uh, Lethbridge in southwestern Alberta Uh, and they they just uh, celebrated their 50th anniversary last year so there's a lot of 50th anniversaries happening this year in, in Lethbridge and some 60th and Others too, I guess. <coughs> uh, before we start the question period, uh, I just want to point out that uh, uh, s- please state your name and uh, keep your preambles short. I think there will be a lot of questions coming up, so we hope that uh, both the questioners and the question and the answering service here will uh, make it quick. I also like to thank uh, Country Kitchen Catering for an excellent meal. Uh, it's a nice way to start <laughs> up the new year. So please welcome uh, Mike Perry back to the podium.
1: Questions.
2: Hi Mike, uh, I mean I'm Tony Partridge, and I was not here when all of this happened. And I'd like to hear a little bit more about the the reasons people were using for advocating for the west side versus staying at the existing site. From your presentation, it sounded like the main argument was, um, you know, the cost of land um, being favoring the west side, but. The <coughs> The people that wanted to stay at the original site seemed also to be, you know, just like Cheapskate, we don't want to pay to borrow money. Um, I'm imagining there was more to it than that. So I wonder if you could summarize the reasons and perhaps also answer whether um, the choice of the architect was a factor here or whether, you know, Arthur Erickson came later, because that's a rather visionary design, which I imagine the same people who didn 't want to spend money wouldn 't like a visionary design either
1: I'm sure. well actually i 'll answer your second question first, because the the design that actually the building that we see today was actually the third design. The first two designs looked totally different. The university actually received ten uh, percent of the university commissions. 175, 000, $175 million that the government set aside for universities uh, for a five-year period for capital. Uh, and so they decided that the University of Lethbridge would get $17.5 million, or 10% of that money, to build their campus. So when the first, when the first um, uh, design came out in March of 1969, it was totally different than what actually was, ended up being designed. Because uh, Erickson designed a campus. He was hired as the campus planner for a five-year period. So he designed a full campus. And the first design actually had two of those long wings together. One spanning where the current building is, and another one going to the south just a little behind it, and at uh, the same length down to the south. So one building was supposed to be the physical sciences, and the other one would be the humanities and the social sciences. But there was no money for that. So the second design was actually two half buildings, which actually had a brick facade to them on the lower uh, parts of the, of the, of the uh, nine stories. Uh, and then the, this building that we see today was actually... Designed in about three months, because in June of uh, that, in September even of 1969, at the the sod turning, the design on the poster behind was the second design of two half buildings with a brick façade. The third, the building that was actually designed was because of money. The brick on the second building alone would have cost $2.5 million, alone. So when they realized that they didn't have the money, then Erickson went uh, went to uh, designing that third building. And from September, that design came out at the end of November 1969, where they had the one building. The first, the answer to the first question is, I think the person at the podium there has the answer to that question, or Van, van would know more about that than i would uh, there was a lot of different interests in this town some of it was money some of it was the economy but the university actually from what i've read never thought that any other part of the un- city inspired would be an inspiring place for a campus they looked at the north side they found that very uninspiring there was a there was a there was some a lot of talk about a necessary division between the college and the university. They didn't want them on the same site. So the university was very steadfast in that idea. And I think the downtown was just a really quick idea. So I think even from the beginning, it was the west side that they were looking at. So there was, yes, there was some some interest uh, around the price of property. And I think I was just talking to Van here. A lot of the... Um, negativity towards the university moving to the west side was really around those people who owned land around where the college was. Because that land actually, it, it spiked in value every time they thought that the university was gonna stay there. So actually, when I look at the land prices there per acre, they were in the three and four and $500 range at the beginning, and within months, they were in the thousands sometimes. I saw a figure at $2,500 an acre for what they were asking. So there was a lot of different things, but Van might be able to talk about that in a second. Maybe he'll, be, he'll, he, maybe he'll better answer your question.
3: Terry Shillington. Uh, Van may want to comment on my framing of the question, too. It's a follow-up, really, to the previous question. An interesting question emerged at our table, and uh, I'm not... I think it's fair to ask the question. Uh, In the tensions around the city, around whether the university would be attached to the college or not, uh, was there any religious issues attached? And I ask that because when I came to the city 25 years ago, (coughs) I was told that there was a strong Mormon influence at the college, and I've never investigated that to see whether that was the case or is presently. But wha- as, this, as the tensions around the city discussion happened, was there any issues of religious difference that militated for not a connection to the college, but to an independent site? Man, do you wanna handle that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, y- you were there. Well, so, so many stories come to mind uh, as we're talking about this. And uh, I have to start out by thanking you, Mike, for carrying on uh, this business of, of recording the history of the, uh, of the university. Uh, many universities – is Lawrence Hoy here? I can't see very well. I don't see Lawrence anywhere here. Uh, Lawrence Hoy's uh, asking the – our founding board of governors to consider the uh, – recording the history seriously, uh, was taken serious and uh, – seriously. and. And uh, we're so happy that that was done and that people like Mike have carried it on. I had to start with that preamble. Um, the, the previous speaker question was about the university design. Uh, I was p- very lucky to, to have f- been the one who invited Arthur Erickson to come to Lethbridge before we got the university. And uh, he did a public address to interest people in it. So I got to see all the designs as they came because he, li- he stayed with us at, at our home when he came. And I'd, I was the first member of the Board of Governors to see all the plans. Um, and uh, I have to say that th- these changes that Mike talked about were very significant. Uh, at the 11th hour, he was asked to change the entire design of the, uh, of, of the uh, building from this brick building with a lot of glass to a building without brick and with half the glass. And uh, he did that in about three weeks. So I saw that plan I was the first one to see that plan. And you might be interested in knowing this, that when he we we looked at it over breakfast before he presented it to the board of Gov- to the rest of the members of the board of governors. And uh, I said to him, Arthur, concrete, all concrete and and drywall inside that it's gonna be in the wintertime, it's gonna be kind of chilly for students, isn't it? Uh, he said, "Yeah." He says, "I'm concerned about that." I said, "Well, what do you think we're going to have to do about it?" So we both came to the conclusion that we had to put art around the university that would fit in with the with the fine arts uh, 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 direction that we were going, but would also serve to to warm up and uh, make the place more more livable. Now my job was, as a member of the founding board of governors, to talk the other eight members of that board into spending money on art when we didn't have enough money for the, for the building. Now that was, a, that was a hard sell. It took me about three or four weeks of whining and dining them all. And we won it by one vote where we spent half of 1% of our capital expenditure on art. And that started the art collection, which today is the biggest art collection in all of Canada, outside of the National Gallery. So we're very proud of that. But uh, yeah, the, <laughs> Arthur's uh, thing was changed in several ways. He was, wi- we had instructed him to make sure that this university doesn't become an ivory tower like so many universities that have around the world. We want people to, to, uh, ha- to uh, we want to be accessible to people. And so he designed a carport, underground carport for at that original building for 2,000 cars. The last minute the government cut that out, they said we're not spending money on on parking lots. And that was one of the greatest mistakes that was made because it's now become, uh, I know my friends and my aging friends (laughs) uh, find it very difficult to attend things at the university because of the distances to walk and the the difficulty in parking that would have really made the contact possible. So those are changes that happened because of money and, and, and the government. But I've got to say uh, one thing that, that I was glad that Mike mentioned in his list of, of the agencies that were important in, in bringing the university here is the government. I don't think that Ernest Manning has been given enough credit. From my very first meeting with him, he bought the idea of having a liberal arts university, having a huma- the humanities focused in this province. And the multi-universities of Calgary and Edmonton were not doing a very good job on it. And and so he had that from the very beginning, and in spite of a great deal of opposition within his party from uh, members of, 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 of his cabinet, from Edmonton and Calgary, who opposed the University of Lethbridge, we would never have gotten it if he didn't stick out, uh, uh, stick to his guns and, and back us right to the very end, including the Location at the w- on the west side.
0: Man, you didn't answer the question about religion. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, uh, the the uh, the Mormon Church had a great interest in the in the college in the del- development of the college, and uh, and many of them uh, saw this as an opportunity to have a BYU too. Uh, and they worked hard to, as a, as a lobbying group, to make sure that, uh, that that remained the site for the university so that it would become a BYU too. Um, uh, some of us didn't agree with that. We thought that, uh, that uh, we were better off having a university that, uh, that supported all the religions. But that was the case and they were the lobby group and they were very effective and
1: they almost won. Thanks. Thanks, man. Uh, Just because there's interest in the room, here's an original drawing by uh, Erickson with with the influence of the bridge. Let me just show you very quickly a couple of other. This was the original design of the university. Those two long buildings you can see well, thank you. You can see here, residences. I'll show you a couple of other. There's a model of the university, one of the first ones. This was taken uh, at uh, the, Ma- the Erickson Massey firm in uh, Vancouver. I have footage of them going over there. I don't know who took the film, uh, the footage, but there's pictures of them uh, there are pictures of the architects working on these models for the university. So this was, when I talk about him being hired as a campus planner, this is what he originally had in mind. And this is when he told, he didn't, I don't know if he had this in mind, but when he was here in January 1967, his comment to the crowd at the Yates was, I would tell you what I want to build, but it would blow your mind. That's what he said. So there, the iconic shot of the original model. There's the second, when I talked about two halves, this is what he was looking at, and this is what he talked about. The exterior finish will be, for the most part, brick. That is the second design, and this was published in June of 1969. So in in March was the original design, June till September, October. And when Van talks about he had three weeks to change it, well, this is what he was working at changing. This had floor-to-ceiling windows and brick on the bottom, I think, six levels and and concrete, the top three. There was also reflecting pools going all the way down to the Old Man River. And he he says in some of the stuff that I've read that he really didn't like the idea that he couldn't put water underneath the building and all the way down. I think it was Bob, Bob Comstock who says in his interview, uh, we said, you can't have water under that building. There's one of those reflecting pools. And actually, in some of the original drawings of this version, they, they had Moses in one of the reflecting pools. <laughs> right? And that's just pictures. There's Arthur Erickson there. So uh, there is a model of what the building that was built. And you can see the reflecting pools in this model. Tiered all the way down to the Old Man River. And I'm going backwards again, so talk amongst yourself. These are some of the original drawings. I went up to the arc uh, The... Ca- the um, Canadian Architectural Archives at the University of Calgary, where Erickson's archive is, and I got these from there. So these are some of the original first drawings of the building. Looks like a CP rail, actually, in some of these. There's the building being built. It was finished from the south to the north. There's the campus as it appeared in 1972. There's the worm. It was wor- the worm was there as, a, as a, a walkway down to University Hall from the parking lots. It was, it was put there in 1972 and taken down in 1985 and fully recycled. The other thing that's interesting about this picture is the aperture. Ar- ar- Erickson himself did not design it. One of his architects did. It was, ar- it was a gift from the Erickson Firm to the University of Lethbridge. And the original name actually on the, on the pieces of paper say the University Karn. And it, was, and it was designed from my understanding to be like a Carn, like an Anakshuk, So that when the campus grew, that anybody who was lost on campus could look over and look at the Karn and figure out where they were. Because actually, the original campus size, it was the geographical center of campus. It was placed at the geographical center of the original campus, and it remains there today. It hasn't been moved, and it can't be moved. A few years ago, they looked at moving it to the entranceway at Aperture Road there, uh, and the engineer said it would just fall apart if we moved it, so they kept it right where it is. And that's looking west, so you can see there was nothing on the west side when the university started. Oh. Anyway, sorry. I- so I dig- digress.
2: Thanks for a very interesting presentation. We came in 91, so uh, this is all new to us. Uh, Mary Shillington, I have a couple of questions. We, at the table, discussed how it came about to be the University of Lethbridge instead of the University of Southern Alberta. So that's one question. The second question was related to the bridge and the building, uh, the opening of the campus on the west side. Uh, what was the timeline there? When, when was the new bridge built and open? And when, was the, when did students start attending the campus on the west side?
1: Actually, it was the government who called us the University of Lethbridge. So they made that decision. Actually, in the first, uh, uh, the first kind of things that I was reading, when the, when the university was first announced uh, in July, uh, that the college was going to become an ext- the university was going to become an extension of the college uh, the college wanted to call it the the Southern Alberta University another word bounty to back was the University of Southern Alberta but the initials would be USA uh, so that was quickly uh, out of the paper. Uh, to sell the Southern Alberta University was something that I think a lot of people wanted, but it was actually the government who made that decision. So it was announced as the University of Lethbridge. That's what they called this. Because in the, in the order papers, uh, that's what they announced that, that they're going to establish a university in Lethbridge and it will be called the University of Lethbridge. That's what my understanding is. Uh, the other question you had was about the bridge. When Manning canceled the plebiscite, he said he did it for three reasons. One, that the taxpayers wouldn't pay more. He was he was feeling comfortable that they, it would wouldn't be a burden on the taxpayers. He says. The second one was the campus would be no more than 315 acres. And the third one was that a bridge would not be built for eight years. Because a second bridge needed to be built because uh, the only access to the campus was off Highway 3, and then either Bridge Drive, uh, and then all the way from Highway 3, there was just a road all the way down to the university. Because remember, there wasn't anything on, on the west side. So the, the bridge was built, actually uh, Lahid. Uh, somebody tells a story about Lougheed when he was here for the opening of the, um, uh, the university. I think he got turned around in Coalhurst or something and finally said, I can understand why we need another bridge here. So that's a story on one of the oral histories. But uh, it was supposed to be eight years, and it was basically, uh, it was built in 75, so they quickened it up. And only half of Whoop-Up Drive was finished in 875, not halfway across the river, but one, one length uh, of two lanes in 1975, and the second length uh, was finished in 1985. So it took about another ten years to finish that second length
2: and when was the campus actually officially open
1: the, the campus officially opened on the S- September 21st, 22nd and 23rd of 1972 but actually they had classes there starting in the fall of 71 so the campuses were on that stu- classes were on both sides labs were at the south uh, a lot of classes were on the on the west side so they had a yellow school bus that Dennis Tells a story about going back and cross at back and forth to the different campuses to do his work. But uh, so it, it opened in 71. The whole campus actually moved over in August of 72. And the, and the campus officially opened in September of
4: 1972.
1: My name is Tad Mitsui. Could you tell me something about
0: the statue of Moses? Because I saw that one. In Montreal in 1967.
1: There's the man who should talk about Moses, because he's the man who brought it to the University of Lethbridge. Van, do you want to talk a little bit about that?
3: <laughs> Helen and I just had four children, and uh, the oldest, Chris, was 12 at the time and, and down to nine years of age. We decided that we take them to Expo, 67, M- in Montreal. And at the time, the CPR was uh, getting rid of its uh, passenger service, but still operating, so we thought we'd go down by train and fly back. Well, we we went down to Expo, and right away out out to the site, and I was really, uh, I remarked on how many statues there were around the, the site. It was really quite remarkable. And checking them over, I found that they were donated, they were lent, by the, the Bronfman family, Seagrams Incorporated. So I immediately got the idea that this, it was a centennial university, and that was a centennial project, that uh, the bromptons might be interested in donating one. So I phoned Sam Smith right away that afternoon, and <coughs> and asked him to make an appointment with Charles brompton Well he did, and the next afternoon, I spent the next afternoon with Charles, just chatting and and visiting, and at the end of our visit, I said, what are you going to do with these statues when when the expo's over? He said, we don't have any plans. I said, how about donating one to the University of Lethbridge? It's a Centennial University. He says, go ahead and pick whichever one you want. (laughs) They not only donated that, uh, that, the Moses, oh, so anyway, we the whole family spent two days after that going around, checking them all over, making notes about different ones and which one would be best. I, I chose the uh, the Etrog uh, myself because it had a very strong vertical presence and, and Erickson's building being so horizontal, I thought it would be a, a lovely counterpoint to the university. And where it was first placed, it really was. They had to replace it later on because of wind damage. But anyway, uh, w- we picked that and and uh, Charles Bromman paid for shipping it here, setting it up, and even repairing it when the damage was done by wind later on and relocating it. so it was a great donation by the Bromman family but that 's how it happened Mark,
0: <laughs> Mark, <Mike? laughs> you get the last word
4: okay i 'm um, mark Sandylands Mike. Um, Can you explain, maybe if you know, uh, how the Old Man Regional Planning Commission and the Downtown Business Association were in favor of the West Side site in terms of the uh, center of gravity or center of population? Do you know that story?
1: Uh, uh, Do you? Yeah. Okay, why don't you tell us?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, my understanding, I came in 1968, but I was following uh, from Edmonton when I was in grad school. in any city, the center of population is generally the downtown area, but Lethbridge being built on the, uh, the east bank of the Old Man River, the downtown area was on the edge of town. And the downtown, the Old Man Regional Planning Commission and the Downtown Businessmen Association realized that downtown would be uh, sucked away from the, the actual downtown area unless something was built on the other side of the river to be a counterbalance to the spread of population to the south and to the east. And so they were in favor of putting the, le- the bridge on, or the, the uh, university on the west side to act as a, a magnet in a sense to draw people to the downtown.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly, Mark. Um, the other thing that I would just like to say is, this goes way be- earlier than uh, even when the university was first talked about in Lethbridge which was probably in the early 60s, 62, 63, as far as I know, uh, as far as I've read, uh, the Old Man R- 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 River Regional whatever commission uh, already talked about expanding to the west side. They thought that that was just a smart thing to do anyways was, was move the city and t- to, the, to the west side as well so that, as you said, the downtown would not be at the end of town. So they already thought, thought, talked about that. So when the university came and was going to be resituated, there was, I think, no question that that's where it should go.
4: One other little story I might share with people: the, uh, Larry Hoy told me this story because he was on the uh, GFC and the Board of Governors. The north end of University Hall, as everybody who's been there knows, is uh, a nice uh, wall of cedar planks, and the, the reason is that they ran out of money. So they actually, the plan was to have that building extend about 20 feet farther to the north to match the south end of the building with the same kind of concrete architecture. But they ran out of money, so they chopped 20 feet off the building and covered it with uh, wood.
1: And a good thing, because that's where expanding to the destination building is, <coughs> right there.
0: Okay, that's, uh, that's, that's it. But just for your interest, and, and I know uh, math is hard, but the new destination building the cost of the new destination building will pretty much cost as much as all the rest of the university that's been built so far <laughs> thanks for coming don't forget